Well, tonight's message comes from Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Please turn there in your few Bibles with me. It's a psalm of exultant praise in the Lord, call to all of us to, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In fact, it, it summons all earth uh, to worship the Lord for, for who He is, for what He has done uh, for His people. Uh, it's a psalm that recounts and rejoices in God's steadfast love that never changes, uh, that endures forever. I thought it would be me- meaningful for us to meditate this evening uh, on this joyful psalm which calls us to uh, join with creation in exalting God's name. So this is God's holy word, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God, and is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. We're going to end the reading of God's Word there tonight. Well, I have come to conclude, based on my experience, limited as it may be, that in this country, customer service is dead. Now, maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's just on life support. I don't know. But from my perspective, it's dead. Uh, Whether you're on the phone with a department store trying to make some progress on a problem that you have with your order, or you're driving through the fast food drive-thru, it just seems like no one knows how to communicate anymore in a meaningful, heartfelt way. People don't know how to serve genuinely anymore. And there are some industries, there are some uh, fast food chains, coffee shops that are trying to improve their customer service uh, by requiring their, their, um, their staff to, to say hello to everybody that comes into the door. You've noticed that, I'm sure. If you go to Chick-fil-A, five people say, welcome, as you walk into the door, you're almost blown back out of the restu- uh, restaurant as you walk in by how many people are saying hello to you. Um, the other day I was in, in Starbucks and I was got, grabbing some tea and I was watching the, the barista. She was busily working. She looked half asleep, but amazingly she could still function. And she apparently had the job of saying welcome to everybody that came in the door. But it wasn't this heartfelt, genuine welcome. It's good to see you. It was this sort of she saw people out of the peripheral vision, in her peripheral vision, as she was working busily by the, the coffee machines, and it was, welcome, 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 but I, I, I didn't believe her. <laughs> if I were coming in, I don't think I would have felt very good about being there. Um, it was dutiful, it was efficient, perhaps, but it lacked genuineness, it lacked heart. Well, Psalm 100 teaches us that the service that we owe to God, the worship that we're called to give to Him, is very different from that kind of forced, dutiful, obligatory service that we might find in the fast food chain industry. And this psalm that I just read, you may have noticed as I read it, it's, 
It's highlighted, it's punctuated by seven commands, seven imperatives that call us to serve our God in very specific ways, all characterized by genuine, heartfelt devotion and gladness. God calls us to serve Him, to worship Him as as an expression of genuine gladness for who He is, for His character, and for what He's done. But this psalm also helps us to see that, that our worship should be genuine, not just because we're His servants, but more than that, because we are His his people, we are His children. And so we want to notice tonight not just the character of our, our worship and our service, but the cause or the reason for our glad service is that God has made us His special possession as our covenant God. He's a God who cares for us as the sheep of His pasture, and that's why we are motivated to come to Him and offer genuine, heartfelt service and worship. So we're going to look, first of all, at the character of our service as it's, as it's highlighted and punctuated here in Psalm 100. As I said, the psalm it has really seven commands here, and they help us to understand the character of our service and our worship, the kind that pleases God. And, and the aspects of our glad service are not hard to see here. Verse 1 tells us that serving the Lord means making a joyful noise. The psalmist begins... Then this way, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 66, verse 1 says something very similar. Our service is characterized by shouts of joy, by exuberance for God. And serving the Lord includes singing, the psalm goes on to say. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing, verse 2 says. The wonderful reality is that God has given each of His creatures a a built-in instrument. Some of you who are not or don't think of yourselves as particularly musical will often joke that the only instrument you play is the radio. But that's not true, is it? You all have a built-in instrument that God has given to you, and that is that creaturely voice that He's instilled you with. And that's not an accident that God has given you that. He's given you that for the very purpose of extolling His name, of exalting Him, of proclaiming His praise to the nations. And that's not a gift that we are allowed to neglect. That's not a gift that we're allowed to despise or or be apathetic about. And maybe we have to learn to overcome our fear of using that gift of our voice. Maybe we need to find ways that we can uh, learn how to sing more joyfully, more robustly, more, uh, more easily. But we're called to sing to the Lord. That's part of our, our service, part of our glad, heartfelt service to God. The psalmist also says that serving the Lord with gladness is about giving thanks for what He's done, praising and blessing God's name for all that He has accomplished. It's about acknowledging who God is and what He's done. Look at verse 3, know, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. What is the psalmist saying here? He's saying that an important part of our worship, part and part of our service is is recounting God's benefits to us. 
and then giving Him appropriate thanks for all that He's done. It involves making a conscious decision to call to mind who God is and what He's done, because those truths furnish us with reasons for rejoicing. You know, sometimes we go through periods in our lives where we, we find that our worship to God, our service to God is, is lacking in vigor, lacking in life. We find it hard to praise God. We find it hard to serve Him or get excited about serving Him. And I suggest to you that that's often the case because during those times in our lives, we've stopped thinking about all that God is and all that He's done for us. It's easy for us to muddle through life and go from task to task, just sort of barely keeping our heads above water when life is busy. And we don't carve out times of peaceful rest and meditation on the fact that God is our sovereign creator who has given us life, who has called us to be his own, who has remade us as new creatures in Jesus Christ purely out of his goodwill and pleasure and that by that same grace, He still guides us as our Heavenly Father. We need to take time out of our busy lives and know that, as the psalmist calls us to do, to acknowledge that truth so that we don't fail to pause and worship Him for the great things that He has done. And one of the ways that we sometimes fail to to acknowledge God for who He is and what He has done is that we don't follow the pattern that God has created for our lives that enables us to have these moments for regular pause and rest. This is why God has given us the Lord's Day. He gave us this one day out of seven to pause from our our work, from our striving, and to stop and to rest with our families, to get off by ourselves, in a quiet corner of the yard, perhaps, with His Word in hand, and to give thanks for who He is, for His might, for His power, for His saving grace, and to give thanks for how that character of God has been shown so manifestly in our lives. We need to do that. We need to carve out time as part of the pattern of our lives to know that He is God, to know that He is our shepherd, and to give Him thanks. Well, you notice from verse 4 that the context of this psalm is the worship of the people of Israel. They're called to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. We read, give thanks to Him, bless His name. That's what Israel was called to do. We've been learning about the the tabernacle together uh, under the uh, instruction of Reverend Nehemiah. And later on with the temple worship as well, Israel was called to to enter his gates, to to enter the temple area with thanksgiving, to enter the temple with heartfelt worship that was pleasing and acceptable to God. And the psalm was calling Israel to to follow God's pattern for their lives, a pattern that, that climaxed in the Sabbath's rest a time to recount the goodness and faithfulness of God, a time to come and to hear His Word, to sing praise to God, to rest in the unbounded blessings of their covenant God. And we're called to do the same. 
we're called to do the same. When our personal and family life lacks this godly structure that's punctuated by Lord's Day rest and worship, then we can only be lacking in this joyful, glad, heartfelt service that God calls us to give. Our lives can only be filled with self-centeredness and pride when we don't hear and heed God's call to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. The Psalms as a whole, especially this section, Luther reminds us, really punch a hole in our pride. And they call us to to reject our failure to acknowledge God and His good gifts, which robs Him of His glory, and instead to offer Him joyful and thankful service. You see, Psalm 100 commands us to serve the Lord, not in a half-hearted, grudging way like an employee who has bad customer service. We don't have to offer God an obligatory service. We have every reason to serve Him, not just with a smile, but with genuine, heartfelt gladness because He is our God, and He's made us for Himself. That's the character of our service. But what's the underlying reason? What's the underlying cause for serving God in this way, this genuine, heartfelt way? Well, the psalm ends in verse 5 by outlining the cause, the reason for our joyful service. And the psalmist says the reason we serve God in this joyful way, the reason we live our lives for Him in this way is because we are the recipients of His covenant steadfast love as the sheep of His pasture. We read verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. This psalm and many of the psalms that surround it in the book of Psalms are all about God's covenant faithful love for His church. And of course, when David wrote this psalm, he was was writing about God's love for a special people, a special nation. Boys and girls, you know what nation that was the nation of Israel, the people of Israel that God had made and called. God was their father. Deuteronomy tells us, Deuteronomy 32 tells us, God created them as His special people. And even though the people of Israel frequently forgot God, they forsook God on so many occasions, He was nevertheless the God who had given them birth, as it were. He said to them, once you were not a nation, but now you are a nation. I have made you. I have called you. I've set my love upon you. And that's why Israel's called to serve the Lord in this particular way here in this psalm. In fact, the psalm calls all the earth to praise God for how good He has been to His people Israel. God has done special things, marvelous, powerful things not for the nations of the earth, but for the people of Israel. All creation is summoned to make a joyful noise because of God's covenant goodness to these chosen people. And so this psalm is a symphony of praise that erupts on account of the steadfast love and faithfulness of God to His covenant people. And the nations of the earth had seen how God's faithfulness was shown to the people of Israel. The nation stood on the outside and they watched 
as God shepherded His people patiently, lovingly through the desert despite their complaints. He provided food and shelter and direction and protection. The nations watched from the outside as the Lord disciplined His people on account of their sin when He appointed enemy nations to capture them and to bring them into exile for a time. Things looked bad. Things looked glum and bleak for God's people for many years while they were in Babylon and in Assyria away from their homeland. In the second book of the Psalter, Psalm 89, there's this cry. Lord, where is your steadfast love, which you promised of old? Seems to have disappeared because of your people's faithlessness. And yet the third section of the Psalter responds to that question, that cry for help, that cry of despair. Lord, where is your steadfast love? And the third book of the Psalter, which Psalm 100 is a part of, answers that cry and declares God's steadfast love is right here where it's always been. The Lord's steadfast love and mercy never fails. It even overcomes the faithlessness and the sin of His people. And that's why we read, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. The very nations that the Lord appointed to judge His people would stand back in awe and wonder as God kept His promise to restore Israel back to the promised land. They stood back in wonder as God worked powerfully to defeat every enemy of His people with miracle after miracle. And that was a foretaste of God defeating every enemy of His church to bring His people to their heavenly inheritance. That's why Israel is called to serve the Lord with gladness, with heartfelt joy because of His covenant faithfulness shown in keeping His flock safe, even in the midst of their unbelief. But what about us? Can we sing this song? After all, we, as far as I can tell, belong to the nations of the earth. We aren't of the original people of Israel. We were of the nations of the earth that for so long just stood back and watched the wonders that God performed for His people. Can can we sing this song? Do we belong to God's flock? Is He our shepherd? We mustn't forget that with the coming of Jesus, there was a great change to how the promises of this psalm are now applied. Because when Jesus came to earth teaching and preaching, He said in John 10, 16, I have other sheep that are not of the fold of Israel, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so, dear Christian, you belong to that sheepfold of God. Even though we were not part of the people of Israel, we have been added by grace into His sheepfold. If Christ has recreated you, if He has given you new spiritual life by faith, then you are now and forever a living member of the Israel of God. That's what Paul says in Galatians 6. 
You and I are now living members of His church. We are truly the sheep of God's pasture. He is our faithful shepherd. And sometimes as sheep, we are vulnerable to attack. As sheep, we are sometimes weak. We are frightened. We are anxious about the circumstances around us. But we are under the care of our great shepherd who cares for us daily through the care of under-shepherds, your pastors, your elders. He nourishes us. He feeds us. He waters us by the, the means of grace that we come here every Sunday to enjoy. His steadfast love endures forever in our lives. His faithfulness is shown to generation after generation of believers and their children in the church. And that, as for the people of Israel, that's the cause. That's the reason for our joyful service. We need no other reason than that, to come here every Sunday with joyful, exuberant praise to God, because He's been faithful. He's our covenant God. He's our great God, Creator, Savior, and covenant Keeper. And that's the motive that we have for worship. We need no other to know simply the assurance that we are not our own, but we belong now and forever, body and soul, to our faithful Creator and Savior Jesus who tends our needs perfectly. That is all that we need to know to come and to worship and serve Him with genuine hearts. For the Lord is good. And His steadfast love endures forever His faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this short, simple psalm, this call to, to praise, to, uh, to, to lift our voices, uh, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to know that He is God and that we are the sheep of His sheepfold. Indeed, Lord, that is the cause of our, our praise and worship. That is, that is all the reason we need to come with, with joyful hearts of praise, to know that You are a covenant-keeping God who remains faithful generation after generation. So we pray, Lord, that we would regularly carve out time in our busy lives to, to know You as You've revealed Yourself in Your Word, to carve out time for our families to rest in the truths of Your Word, the promises of salvation that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And Lord, may our lives be patterned after the divine pattern set forth in Your Word to, to work six days and then to rest on the seventh, to rest on the first in this new Sabbath rest of the Lord's day, recounting who You are, all that You have done, and so to be recharged, reinvigorated, and renewed as we go out once again into the world to serve You with joy. So, Lord, bless us in this coming week. May we cast our cares upon You. May we look to You for our food and our drink and our nourishment and our strength as the sheep uh, and You as the shepherd. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.